Welcome to Real Talk JavaScript, the weekly talk show that brings you stories of real-world development from industry experts and developers like you and me. Each week, Ward Bell, Dan Walleen, Craig Shoemaker, and John Papa find out what it takes to write, deploy, and maintain apps that stand up to the demands of the real world. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome back to Real Talk JavaScript. This is episode 85, Lessons on Building Scotch.io. Wait a minute, wait a minute, John, John. I, I, you told me this was going to be lessons on drinking scotch. Exactly. Oh. You know, you and I are in the same, same mindset today. I, 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 you know, here it is. It may be early in California, but it's, it's, it. I have a glass, a smoky glass or something going here. I was ready to settle in. And, uh, well, I don't know if we're going to lose our audience with this title. I don't know, but if we drink scotch and do the podcast talking about scotch IO, we might have better. <laughs> it'd be that, it'd be that much better. Right. Yes, it would be. All right. All right. Well, there you go. I guess my lifestyle choices are clear. Uh, well, obviously, I have Ward Bell on as a co-host today. <laughs> and Dan Wallin, you're also here today, right? Uh, kind of. Just, you know, mentally, not so much. Physically, I am here, though, yes. And I want to officially congratulate both of you for achieving yet another year of birthdays, uh, most recently during this recording. So happy birthday to both Dan and Ward, which uh, was Less than a couple of days ago for both of you, wasn't it? It is. It was. Mm, sadly, sadly. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> I just watched that. Od- I want to find out how I can roll that odometer back. But I'm that would be Me fun too. Me like too. in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Wouldn't it be fun if somebody could just drive you backwards in their oh, garage? Oh man, that's how it should work. You know, that would be cool. Are you a Ferrari like uh, in that movie, Ward? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what they've always said about me. I'm a Ferrari. <laughs> 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 All right. On that note, <laughs> Scotch, Ferraris, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That could be the new title. Uh, this week, we have Chris on our episode. Chris on Code, uh, who's the founder of Scotch.io, a popular JavaScript tutorial site. Scotch.io was acquired by DigitalOcean in 2019, and now Chris acts as the web community manager at DigitalOcean. Scotch.io just reopened the guest author program, so if you're interested in technical writing, you can chat with Chris on Twitter. Welcome, Chris. How you doing? I'm doing good. Um, good to be here. Just uh, staying home and staying safe, I guess. Now, Chris, I have to ask you because we've talked before and you've told me like when we put your name up on the site for conferences, it's just Chris on code. But is it okay if people know your last name? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's it's more of a service for, I mean, I always said it as Chris Sevaleja. That's kind of how I was raised. And I've recently been told I've been saying it wrong my whole life. Uh, <laughs> so it can be said Sevilleja with the two L's. It's kind of uh, from Spain, I guess. So as soon as I heard that, I said, no, I'm going to go for like a nickname and make it easy on everybody. Well, that works. Well, I'm, I'm glad you weren't saying your name correctly for all these years, because then <laughs> that gives me free reign to just call you Joe, right? Yeah, I'll, whatever. <laughs> I, I found out Chris... Uh, so mine's Swedish, and we say Wallin here, but that's wrong apparently. So I my name is wrong too. So it's good to know we're we're both been lied to our whole lives. You know? What is it supposed to be like Valhalla or something? Valhalla. <laughs> 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 uh, I got to remember it's Valin. Uh, I think Valin. it's Valin. Valin. Uh, uh, something like that. Close to Valhalla. Close. 
Paul. So yeah, I, th- I think it'd be kind of hard to get Ward's last name wrong. Yeah, well, it, but you'll find a way. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, what Chris was just saying, ah, I'm staying safe at home. And I suddenly I flashed that, you know, uh, like 90% of accidents happen at home. So, <laughs> uh, you know, what is the, what this could be? We could be creating our own kind of crisis here. I don't know why things like that occur to me. We could be. And so, Scotch, speaking of accidents at home, um, <laughs> that's a terrible lead into this, but Scotch.io. So tell us about Scotch.io. What is Scotch.io that you built? Sure. So Scotch started as um, kind of a personal blog, just if you learned it, write it down sort of scenario, pretty much a coding diary. And uh, Google saw fit to send us traffic over the years. And uh, we grew the blog into a business and kind of just started tacking on different skills and, and stuff like that. Like learning about ads was something I didn't expect, but uh, here we are finally was, it's fun because we were hosted on DigitalOcean and now we've been acquired by DigitalOcean. So kind of the full progress of starting up a side project and selling it, I guess. Well, in an ocean of sites out there, pun intended, what sets sketch scotch IO apart from the 10 million other apps and sites that are out there? Sure. Uh, I thought about this a lot and I don't know if like our strategy would work in today's world. Everybody's um, so keen on being writers on like their own websites and on like dev two and community sites like medium have popped up since scotch was created, um, which I love. Like I love that more people are writing and kind of getting out there. I don't know. Our, our style of writing was always just like go straight to the facts and try not to, I don't know, just try to be like as helpful and practical and quick as possible. And I feel like that resonated. I mean, 90% of our traffic is Google. So I think Google somehow found us uh, valuable. Yeah, I know I've had my my personal opinion has been, first of all, the site is very nice looking. Like I can tell it's plain, but nice. I mean, there's not a lot of distractions. Um, you know, clean. It's clean, yeah. visually appealing. And I agree with you. The articles that you all write tend to, they appeal to me because- most of the time, I'm just looking for, I need to solve this problem. How can I solve it? And usually one of the Scotch A articles is one of the top three that shows up in Google searches for me on Vue, React, Angular, JavaScript, so on and so forth. So uh, that's kind of how I ran across your stuff and thought, wow, this is, this is kind of nice. Yeah, I, I like to, um, whenever we have guest authors, I like to tell them about the, I don't know if I've, like, it's an actual uh, theory or something. I just call it the skim factor. But if you put, recording software on your site and you kind of watch how people view and read your blog articles, they'll just scroll down till they see a code block. They'll read it and then scroll down to the next image. And like, nobody reads paragraphs, you know? So (laughs) that's kind of how we write. Yeah. The more code, the more visuals and jump right to it. It's kind of like the, I think of Scotch IO kind of like the egghead IO type model where egghead IO's videos are just get me right to the content. Uh, No setup, no, you know, fluff, no lead in. It's just, I want to know how to solve this problem. So when you built this platform, you used React. Is that correct? So Scott started on uh, Code Igniter back in the day, and then it went to uh, Expression Engine, which was a Code Igniter framework. Then it went to WordPress. And then finally, it's a Laravel PHP app. And then we try to make it as like jam stacky as possible. And we threw React on top of it and added a lot of JavaScript on top, but uh, at its core, it's a PHP app. I like uh, Jamstacky. 
That's the first time I've heard Jamstack we all hear about, but uh, Jamstacky. How how has the Jamstacky aspect worked out so far for you? Sure. Uh, our our biggest problem was that we weren't we have a lot of global visitors, but we weren't fast globally. Um, especially just being a PHP app, everybody had to make the round trip around the world uh, to our servers. But so what we ended up doing was cutting out all session based um, authentication. So we took Cloudflare and said, hey, can you cache the entire page, serve it as HTML across the world, and uh, we'll use React on the top to bring in like the authentication and all that kind of stuff. So I say Jamstacky because it's not technically, I mean, what is technically a Jamstack, I guess? But Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's static, but it doesn't start static. Gotcha. So the, that part's dynamic. And real quick, I, I realize some people might be listening. I, I think we have had some Jamstack ones, but you want to walk people through, any of you want to take that? Like, what is what do we mean by Jamstack? I know, John, you've done a lot with it. I, I have, but I think it'd be more important to hear what is what do you mean by Jamstack, Chris, in this context, since we, we've all agree it can mean have multiple perceptions. I like to think of Jamstack more as the solving a problem than the actual acronym of JavaScript, APIs, and markup for J and A and M. I like to think of it more as how do we solve like performance issues globally and, and make the site fast for all of our users across the globe? Um, how do we make it secure? And in that regard, that's kind of how I see Jamstack is um, kind of solving these sets of problems. So when I say Jamstack for Scotch, we just wanted it to be a static site that could be served globally and try to get a load times down below two seconds for everybody. And why couldn't you do this with non-Jamstack technology? And before we answer that, let's take a quick break from a word from our sponsors. Hey, are you building apps in React, Angular, Node, or some other framework? Well, with NX, you can build your full stack apps in a shared mono repo, integrate with modern tools, and reinforce best practices. You'll get advanced code generation and automatically configured tooling like Cypress, Jest, and Prettier that will simplify your workflow. NX also helps you simplify the relationships between applications and shared libraries to make it easier to share more code and develop more consistently across teams. And the best part is you'll build higher quality apps and spend less time on configuration. So visit nx.dev to get Narwhal's popular open source toolkit for monorepo development today. And we're back. And Chris, you were just talking about Jamstack and how you were looking into it. You wanted the apps and the pages to be fast and served. Why look towards a Jamstack model as opposed to using a traditional uh, web server model with um, PHP serving the content and just letting it uh, be at that? Right. Well, the two things that we found was um, the network trip for especially people over in the EU. Uh, India was pretty high on our traffic list, and so was uh, African readers. So for them to just... One, make the network trip. Two, you get over to the site, and then we have to make the database uh, calls to get all the content. Then we build an HTML page um, all on the server and then send it back. I mean, a lot of that stuff can be cut out. And I think that's the way, uh, kind of the solution that Jamstack provides is don't let your users wait for that whole process when all they really care about is an HTML page. And and the sites that you've been building here with Scotch.io, like there's tutorials, there's articles, there's courses. All of this is consumable content with no forms data entry, right? Right. And until you get to uh, kind of the login area, which um, we don't really use too much these days. It used to be for like 
uh, premium subscriptions and stuff like that. But nowadays, it's really just content consumption that most people visit for. And where we've talked a lot on the show in the past yeah. about how this kind of piques your interest because it's a different kind of app than you built. You want to... Right, right. Because my world and the people who, you know, pay a lot of developers to work on things, they're, they typically are line of business applications where um, the pers- the user is a captive user. They're going to load the app for sure because they've got work to do and they're going to do data entry. And that's not what this is. This is uh, more consumption than it is data entry. Uh, and it has a kind of casual feel like, uh, yeah, I want to learn about uh, optional chaining here. And uh, so you're getting that to me quickly is, is key because uh, I don't have to be here. Uh, and moreover, I don't have to really type in much. I'm trying to see what you're teaching me. Maybe I, you know, during the course of a tutorial, I, you know, you may ask me a pop quiz and I click a few things, but that's not really what you would call heavy duty and uh, heavy duty data entry. So that's the difference. And I really see it. Um, I, so you, what you're saying is that if you had just tried to do this with PHP, you couldn't just throw it out on a CDN to get it out and around. You, you need to generate the pages and you're, um, so you're doing something, jammy here and i'm not quite sure what it is yeah i mean we did the cdns for the images and everything but at the end of the day it still uh was php hitting a database building a a site and we did like database caching view caching at the php level but then you still had to make the network trip so our super secret sauce for jam stacking up a php site was to go into our cloudflare dashboard and say all requests uh, cache as HTML, and that was it. I love Cloudflare, by the way. John's the one that told me about it in the first place, and our uh, company site's all on that now. And man, it's amazing. Really like it. So that's really, cool. You just, flip, it you that just flip a switch. I didn't. You didn't have to do much more than that. Oh yeah, it's um under uh, the technical term for it is uh, page rules, and uh, it was like twenty seconds to set up. Yeah, then the reason I got into Cloudflare was years ago, um, I used to be much more active on my personal blog. I'm still active, but I was much more active years ago. And I was getting hit a lot from, you know, denial of service attacks and just garbage sites. Uh, and the traffic was just just killing me. Plus, it was really, uh, people were pinging me and it was making my provider costs go up because people were consuming my content. And the plans that I was on, it was consuming way more than was actually happening. So... I looked into Cloudflare at the time. I think it was Troy Hunt who may have pointed me in that direction. We'll put a link into Troy. Uh, I went there for that reason, more of a security and overload side, because they actually will deny a lot of the service to uh, these um, more nefarious types of users that are out there. And it really reduced my load. And one of the ways it does that is through caching as well. So why? how does React help you with this site then? Or is it just there because you like React? Which is also an okay answer. Because I, I got some other frameworks we could throw on top of this too, just if you just wanted to carry them around. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, so the, the question on this was like lessons on building scotch, right? And uh, the idea for me coming in is I, I've been trying to tell everybody uh, I spend a lot of time just for fun bringing in React or bringing in uh, like messing around with Angular elements or... Uh, thinking about bringing in view and a lot of it is 
once you're done with it, it's like, did, did you have fun and was it like necessary? So <laughs> lessons for me building was don't over-engineer. But yeah, so React, what it, what it handles for us is uh, the search box. We brought in Algolia and did some real-time search for the entire site. And some other small things around the board, but mostly just for uh, content uh, finding. Maybe the menus too or something? Or? Um, I think... I think a lot of things, this is why I'm confused on it, because a lot of things had React in it, and then I ripped it out because it was like, it doesn't really need React. Yeah, for that feature. Yeah. Right, right tool it, for the right job. Yeah, yeah, even a search box. I mean, how would how did React help you there? I, I don't mean to be Debbie Downer. I, I, I'm, I'm simply curious. Um, uh, how, how, what, did it, what, did, what does React do for you in that search box as opposed to just like hooking up the control and listening? And to, and to be stuff. clear, this could be view React Angular. Yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, that's, I'm, I'm not being critical of that. But I'm just, sort of, I'm just sort of saying, what's, what you know, what's React's real benefit in this scenario? Right. Um, so when we started, when I started this whole process of uh, let's bring in React, let's bring in Algolia, it was. Uh, we're going to do real-time search and, I don't know, make it cool. <laughs> and I, like I, I, think, uh, I think we've done a lot of that. So if you hit the search box in the top, it does real-time search. If you, um, and I kind of hid this page a little bit more as, as the time went on, but like, let's say we went to, let me, it's um, scotch.io slash tag slash react. So our tag pages, um, and they're not really styled anymore. But if you hover over those tags like React, JavaScript, Vue, Angular, you'll see everything kind of updating in real time. So that real-time search was just a cool UI thing that we wanted to bring in. Uh, as far as functionality, we could have easily used Google search and dropped that in and uh, would have saved ourselves a lot of work. But Not, not nearly as cool, though, like you said. <laughs> so, yeah, that one's, that one's pretty boring. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean... So it was all just kind of let's have fun with React and Algolia or What's figure out how JavaScript You've can add on Algolia, some. Algolia, and I've never been to that country, so I'm kind of curious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> I've never, you know, just what is Algolia? It does. It sounds like out of the Marvel comic universe. Isn't you know, it like evil Pat, villain. Patagonia <laughs> jackets out there in San Francisco work? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what is Algolia? Um, so it's a country right next to Sokovia. Uh-huh, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. <laughs> so Al- Algolia is a, is a service where, uh, algolia.com, it's a product where they, their entire focus is search and giving you the ability to add real-time search to any of your products. Um, so they kind of act like a database. You, you give them all of your content, and then you can uh, create a text box and then search all of your content real time and most everything like we have almost 2000 articles on scotch and anytime you do a search it comes back in 2 milliseconds yeah no it does seem pretty crisp i i looked for uh, looked up http interceptors because that's a topic john and i have been talking about recently and uh you know i thought oh he's not going to have anything on that and yes you do um so uh and but it and it told me that right away so that's great and it's kind of it's kind of a fuzzy search which is good yeah it's um I mean it definitely takes a little bit of a dialing in with the Algolia settings. 
and 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 you know, of course, you it brings in a neighboring content that has nothing to do with HTTP interceptors, but gets me going, gets me clicking, and that, that after all, is the goal of a good content site is to is to tease me not only into the finding the thing I was looking for, but to get me pursuing all these other things that I had no interest in. I didn't know I had an interest in and suddenly <laughs> discovered that I do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I wish I could I say that was by design. Yeah. Uh, oh, of course it is. That was <laughs> clever of you, Chris. Uh, Genius. <laughs> Genius. No, that's how, I don't know about you guys, but in this time of being immured, I am being what? finding, <laughs> yes, you know, get behind walls, immured. That's not, isn't that a lovely word? Yeah. Every episode to all of our listeners, Ward has just <laughs> I read great at telling us words that John doesn't know. <laughs> you know, Ward, I have a friend, I, you got to meet him. Um, his name is Mark. And uh, he literally, every day I see him, I'll be like, what's the word of the day? And he'll give me this word I've never heard of. And I think you two should be buddies. <laughs> well, anyway... Uh, man, I don't know about you guys, but I am learning all kinds of things in all kinds of domains that I never would have thought to go in. Uh, so anyway, uh, I bring this back to Scotch by saying, um, uh, the, the search nicely gives me what I was looking for, but also, uh, has adjacent content that kind of keeps me on the site, keeps me thinking, Oh, I'd kind of like to know about that too. So when building this application out from Scotch.io, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, how, how did you, you, you kind of listed off all the technologies you started with. How did you evolve that as you went along? I mean, this was a live application. And once an app is up, making modifications to it and keeping it live uh, is, is, those are often at odds with each other. So how did you solve those challenges? Um, I, I mean, I wish I could say we had a staging server, but... Well, you can say anything you want. We can't verify it. So. Oh, okay. Well, we had like seven <laughs> staging servers. We had um, people uh, doing <laughs> Q&A for an, a year before. No, I don't know. Like, I always felt Scotch was very much um, still a, a fun side project. And I was hoping that that kind of came across that way. But in the six years we've been up, we've done nine, eight redesigns. Um. And every single time we just like threw it live. And uh, one of the things we wanted to make sure of was that the content never got messed up. But if UI elements around the site were kind of wonky, people would always, you know, get on Twitter real quick and tell us about it. So that was kind of our feedback loop. But yeah, let the customer do QA for you. That's... Yeah, it's, it's not, it, it was interesting being kind of a smaller site that we had a little bit more freedom well, it, it, you know, I mean, it works, and and uh, I mean, I, I don't mean let me say it another way. It really works, and it's and it's pleasant to be in. It you got you put a good emphasis on making um, graphics that are uh, f- that are fun. Which, by the way, in my line of business apps, it's like it's the bo- most boring looking thing in the world. And I wish I knew an answer. And I'm sure all corporate developers would love to be to know how you can how you can change. How you can put bring a little life without driving people nuts, going overboard. But that's yeah. a topic for another. Maybe you have some wisdom on that. How do you? Sure. Uh, how, how do you make things lively without being too distracting? I I've never I've never considered myself a designer at all. Um, I'm I'm one of those people that's like 
not really going to build it from scratch. Um, I can pull inspiration from a lot of different areas, but to me, making a design go from pretty boring and basic to just feeling better and different is it really just takes a couple elements on a page. Like uh, if you look at our content, it'll a lot of it is just paragraphs and some good padding. And then um, kind of where we differentiated was we did a little blobby thing, blobby SVG on the code blocks. So there's like a little wave on the code blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and just something small like that really changes an entire feel of an article. So we, we just try to add maybe two things that kind of pop. It, the blobby thing is, is uh, I've always liked that. It's always stood out to me as like, we're always putting, trying to figure out how do we format code? And uh, there's a couple of links, by the way, in the show notes, folks, so you can go check out what we're talking about. It's something that stands out as clearly a Scotch IO thing. And I think it's become mm-hmm. part of the branding of the site for y'all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's attractive. I like it too. Yeah, I think it's, it's creative. You know, it's everybody else, including myself, they're all just rectangles. So yours is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we got lucky. The person that... Uh, Luis M. Gonzalez, he he designed our animated logo in the top left. If you hover it, it'll... I know, it does all the spinny thing. It's really yeah. clever. So he basically took that code and then made it into like a little JavaScript library. So you can target any element you want and it'll blobify it. Cool. <laughs> I, I have to admit, Chris, I've actually moused over that probably three or four times now. Because I'm like... <laughs> Ooh, let's do it again. That was really cool. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, And I also noticed that on your tiles, that they all have a little animation on them. And again, you know, as a corporate developer, I've been trying actually to introduce some more animation, just a little, just, it makes such a difference in usability um, to um, provide I know that didn't seem to be the theme, but I'm, as I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, what lessons can the corporate developer take away from this? Uh, since they, uh, that's my my tends to be my audience, and and uh, you know how how do they learn from what you've been doing here in Scotch.io? And some of it is just the kinds of things that you did to to um, keep the interest without being too distracting. And I'm I'm calling that one out too. Is that you have a consistent um, uh, not overwhelming animation, and we don't do enough of that in corporate development. Are, are you talking like word like um, I just put a link to the course page? So when you hover over any of those buttons, how they kind of they just move a little? Jump out at you? Yeah, they jump a little bit, and uh, so I don't have to, you know, now. And I think about what happens when you don't do that, right? And you're just moving your mouse across the page, and sometimes you don't even know where the heck your mouse is. I don't know about you guys, but I lose track of where my mouse is, and I'm sitting here on Scotch IO. And uh, I get instant feedback about, you know, whether I'm roughly positioned into something that I'm, I think my eye is looking at. Uh, and there's a valuable lesson for, cor- if, for corporate developers. And it's a valuable lesson for, for frameworks, for, for whether you're Angular or React or Vue. How easy are you, Angular framework? Uh, or Review or React framework, how easy is it for somebody to add a little animation to you? Um, I, I think, um, I think that's a question we should bring to, bring to bear. So I know this wasn't necessarily what you were going to talk about, Chris, but what the heck, you know, <laughs> here I am uh, in your site. So you have this sign in and login thing, but you're saying people don't, are we talking out of school here to say that they don't do that much anymore? 
What's the, um, what's the security and authentication aspect of this app that people should know about? So security authentication used to be uh, just the PHP server-based authentication, but the one thing that we pretty much learned, but where a lot of the work is, that went, where we went from here, a PHP-based app with server-side authentication to going to the Jamstack route where everything is static, is that your authentication has to be uh, like token-based. Uh, JSON Web Tokens, JWTs, uh, and that's where a lot of the work came in for converting this to a Jamstacky type site. Uh, so we created our own like authentication on the backend side with Laravel. Uh, if I could do it over again, I probably would just be okay with offsetting that to like Auth0 or Okta or somebody. Yeah, that's a great lesson for people, isn't it? Don't roll your own authentications. <laughs> authentication's hard. It's to do right. Hard. Yeah. To do right. You know, if you're just doing cookie, uh, you know, encrypted cookie type stuff, that's pretty straightforward. But anything past that, yeah, I'm with you. It's like it's too involved. And it changes too. Like that's the thing, is is uh I definitely learned the the cost of building things and maintaining them are two different things. Um, <laughs> like it we don't see it here on the front end site, but the if you hit login, you do the whole login thing. There's a full dashboard where you can like write articles, and that's kind of what our guest authors use to uh, publish on Scotch. And building a CMS, another thing I would highly recommend against uh, building a WYSIWYG editor is just not fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Did you build a WYSIWYG editor as part of this? Uh, in in the dashboard, I, I don't want to say we built a WYSIWYG, but we took. Um, like one of the foundations, we were using Draft.js. And, uh, I'm not familiar with that. What's Draft.js do? So Draft.js is a kind of React package that lets you start with a, a code, a WYSIWYG editor, and then you can like add in plugins and extend it and write your own kind of special stuff around it. But I mean, back, back when we did this, there was not really any like headless CMS type stuff. So it was kind of, it made sense to roll your own CMS, but now there's all sorts of great options for headless CMSs like uh, Prismic, Contentful, all that good stuff. So now we keep we keep talking about CMS, and that's I'm glad you did because it's been on my mind. And I wanted to ask you like where all the content is stored and how it's loaded for Scotch IO. And and before you answer that. Time for a word from our sponsors. Hey, Ward, you know, I was building an application the other day and I pulled in this really cool UI component, but it brought along a lot of dependencies with it. How do you deal with that? I don't like that, John. Um, it reminds me uh, that the AG Grid, which is a, uh, an advanced uh, data, editable data table that we use in a lot of our enterprise apps because it, it addresses the complex scenarios we encounter. Um, AG Grid doesn't have any dependencies at all. Zero dependencies. Well, tell me, why, why is that good? Like, what is the value of having zero dependencies? Well, it's, it's wonderful not having to wonder if while I'm pulling that in, I'm also pulling jQuery in or Lodash or who knows what, uh, in part because that's extra stuff coming over the wire. It's extra files that I don't know what they're all about. Uh, it means when my client security team has to evaluate this, they're evaluating AG Grid and not everything else that might be slipping in under the covers or something that we have to worry about there. You know, it's great to see this day and age, you can have a zero dependency library that does something like complex data grid functionality. So all of you out there, 
do check out AG Grid at their website at ag-grid.com. And we're back. And, and Chris, we were just talking about, you threw out CMS, I think, seven times by my count. <laughs> so can you explain kind of what a CMS is and how it relates to what uh, drives Scotch.io like, and why sure. you chose it? Sure. So a CMS is a content management system, and it's the place where you are going to uh, write all your content, update all your content, store your content. And we talked about Jamstack earlier. A CMS in like the Jamstack world would look like Prismic.io, Contentful. Uh, a lot of these companies that are that are focusing on building a CMS, if you're talking about CMSs kind of, I guess, more traditional, that would be WordPress. Uh, Ghost CMS is also a great one. And why would you do that as opposed to just hard-coding the content right into HTML pages? <laughs> there you go. You mean like I do in my corporate apps? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, this is like, again, this is one of those things where I, I got, you know, I I got to do something, but I'm more, I would rather do what John just said. I would rather do that than, than strangle myself with a typical content management system because those things take over your life and they become bureaucratic nightmares in my experience. And maybe what you're telling me is it doesn't have to be that way anymore, but uh, so, so tell me that that's true. Tell me that it's now easy and that I should think that for my application, I might just throw in a content management system. Is that, is it, is it, it's gotta be somewhere between, between just throwing a content management system and saddling myself to, to something hard, some horror show like WordPress and everything behind it. So I, I mirrored your thoughts. Exactly what you just said is I didn't want to be, uh, kind of, tied down to a certain content management system that didn't fit my style of working. Uh, and that's where I, I went down the dark path of making your own CMS, which, you know, if, if, if you have the team for it and you have like the, the resources to maintain it, that's all great. But uh, it, I don't know, it ended up being a lot more work than just having maybe trying to bend WordPress to what I needed. Um. Nowadays, we have headless CMSs. We have, like, in the past, I don't know, four to five years, a lot of companies have built their CMSs and said, hey, use us. We'll give you an API out of the box so that you can bring in your content wherever you need. I'm doing, like, a little deep dive on each one, and I'm still finding that they are not the most flexible. Some of them, you know, uh, are better for certain types of apps, and some of them don't really fit my workflow. They might not fit yours. Are there any that are just really, yeah, you know, you just snap it in and you could do some video and basic content and it doesn't, you don't have to go through 27 levels in order to be able to maintain the content. Is there anything that just feels like it has the, it's the Goldilocks thing. Is there anything that feels just right or you're just saying not yet? Um, so I, I really like Prismic. I think they do a good job. Um, I have pretty specific wants when I write my articles uh, as far as like speed improvements and kind of my workflow when I write articles and Prismic kind of just gives you a a text box, a WYSIWYG box and just says, go for it. So didn't really work for me. Strappy is a really cool one. Uh, they Strappy is a kind of node project where you can host it yourself and Strappy will let you on the fly build out your content types so you can say, okay, I want blog posts. And then in this blog post, I'm going to have um, a title, which is going to be text. And then I'm going to have uh, content, which is going to be like a giant string. So you don't have to 
build out your schema and your database, you can kind of just drag and drop it in their UI. That one seems pretty good to me. Uh, it gives you a lot of flexibility. Another really good one I'm really liking is Sanity.io. Have you tried all of these with Scotch.io? Or like, where, where did you land with Scotch.io? Um, so Scotch is still on its own custom CMS with Laravel. Uh, Laravel and React is pretty much the CMS that's on there. I, I'm kind of exploring if we were to rebuild Scotch today, what would it look like? Like, would it be a headless CMS or would we kind of keep going the Laravel route? Uh, and that's kind of where I'm, I'm doing these deep dives. And right now, I'm not entirely sure what the setup would look like. I don't know if the, like, and we talk about the back end, right? Like the CMS side of things. Uh, would it be a headless CMS? Would we host it ourselves? Um, and then there's the other side that you got to talk about is, would we use Gatsby? Would we use Next.js? Um, any other static site generators on the front end? So there's still a lot of questions if you want to build a blog in today's world. Are you going down that road now trying to figure out uh, what the next iteration of this will be? Or is this just more you uh, pontificating as you count your billions of dollars you've received from digital oceans? Um, <laughs> it's, it's more the, the latter, the, the pontificating. Ah, gotcha. And I assume you didn't get billions of dollars. And if you did, you'd share it with all of our listeners, wouldn't you? I would. I would. Yes. It, it was not us. billions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool because a lot of times in the, in the apps I've worked in in the enterprise world, uh, I've even had to use CMSs, and they've been a love-hate relationship for me. Uh, for example, building external websites where you're selling products or services, and there's a marketing team who has to, or a sales team, who has to constantly update, like, you know, this month's specials or the pricing or that kind of data. Um, what's not effective and efficient is saying, hey, Chris, you're the developer. Go update these 10,000 prices for these products. Um, or making somebody go into a database to change the marketing content that's going to show up on the main page. So DMSs are one of those things that uh, I always find myself dealing with, and I've probably dealt with maybe... 20 of them over the years. And even you listing them here, uh, Sanity and Strappy and Contentful and Prismic and some others, it seems to me, uh, and I'd love your, your thoughts here, Chris, is there a CMS that people should be using when they have that need? Or is it still, you know, just close your eyes and throw a dart? Um, you bring up a good point, John, that a lot of it isn't just you as the developer working. Uh, it, like, even... Even our guest authors on Scotch, who are very highly talented technical uh, coders and writers, they came into the Scotch CMS, and sometimes they're just like, "How do I do anything in this thing?" Or, which you know hurts my ego a little bit, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel you. So, especially when you're on a team, you definitely need to have that kind of safety. Um, I've had people jump into uh, a Prismic project that just needed to update a marketing page, and they had trouble with Prismic. Uh, I've had people have trouble with WordPress. I don't really know if there's... It's still very customized. Um, one thing that I've been looking at, too, that I kind of found interesting was it... Uh, what's its name? Webflow? I heard of that one. Yeah, webflow.com. I mean, it looks really cool. Uh, I haven't really 
dug into it yet, but that's one of the ones that I want to dig into. It's kind of the Squarespace, but more developer-y type. So that's kind of the idea. I don't know. There's a lot of... It's like looking, it sounds like it's like looking for the perfect framework. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny is uh, one of the ones I was re- uh, I've used at a previous job, I was trying to find the CMS, and of course they renamed it. So uh, it took me a moment to find it. It's called Hippo. So Hippo CMS is one I've used in the past, and it looks like it's now been uh, renamed or purchased by Bloomreach. Uh, so again, it's just one of these things I feel like, I've even worked on systems where we had three different CMSs feeding the same app, um, which has been, quite frankly, like a, a nightmare uh, as a developer. Uh, I know. Trying man. to figure out how many APIs you can hit at once, you know? Yeah, one of my, and one of my clients says, so do you really think we should move all the content into a CMS? And I'm like, no! Uh, <laughs> I mean, there are, there are positives about it. I feel like you do, Ward, though. It's, it's, the pains have, you know, they've scarred me. So uh, there has to be a good reason. And to me, the big reason was always, I have people who are non-developers updating the data, and it's lots of data, uh, like an entire web page full of marketing and videos, for example. Um, I don't want to be doing that on a weekly basis. So having a CMS feed that kind of stuff to yeah, me seems great. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, John, the lab system I've been building out for forever now and Ward. You've seen it. That's yeah. I, I think I had hair when those, we started that thing. By the way, oh, hold on, I kicked <laughs> on. That's one of those that you have no idea how much work's involved with that kind of stuff, especially when you build it from scratch. Now it is very, very custom, so I needed something custom. But there's days where I wonder if that was the right choice. So, Chris, as we come to the conclusion of our show, what what choices did you make? If you had one choice that you made that you regretted and you wish you could do over, and then one choice that you made that you think was just awesome and you'd like to lend out to everybody else about building your website that scales to millions of people. Uh, what would those be? Um, so w- the thing that I've been saying as probably my greatest mistake on Scotch is that I didn't focus on what uh, was important. What are, what are like core value was? And that's when I say that, I mean that we talked about converting Scotch over to like a Jamstack type of site. Um, that took about like six to eight months. And in that entire time, I didn't really write articles. Um, and that saw traffic drop and that saw kind of people um, not really visiting the site as much because there wasn't new content. So uh, for me, one of my greatest mistakes was trying to, you know, I love code so much that I went too far into the code, the rabbit hole of code yeah, <laughs> easy to do. Easy to do. So I, I would say definitely focus on what what makes your site important and why people keep coming back. And that was content for Scotch, and I uh, neglected the content. So that's that was my mistake. And what was your uh, what's your biggest words of wisdom to pass on to folks who want to follow in your footsteps and maybe create Jack Daniels dot io? It it really is focused on what's important. It's if people like your content and they're coming for your content. Give them more content. Don't, you know, make a super search box that they're ninety percent of people won't even click. Um, focus on what makes you special and your site special is is really my my best advice. Specialize. Don't uh, don't broaden out to cover twenty thousand things. Exactly. Very cool. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story of building Scotch.io. And it really is a great website. It's it's one of my favorite places to go to look for content. So. Uh, it's in my top 10 for sure. 
Uh, and thanks for all the effort you put into that. Thanks. Yeah, I'm. I mean, it means a lot hearing it from you, John. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and as a final piece of our episode, we'd like to always leave our listeners with a final thought. And we'll go around the table here. Dan, what's your final thought for our listeners today? Well, given that we are still in the word, I'm going to turn to you. What's the word? You are immured. <laughs> immured, yes. By the way, the, the dictionary link is in the show notes for that one. Oh, did you put that in? <laughs> I'm going to have to start doing that for our listeners, Ward. <laughs> well, it's, it's a lovely word, and it does capture what we're in. Yeah, given that we're in that... Um, I'm just going to uh, say, and I think we might have mentioned this before in a previous one, but be generous in your tipping if you're uh, ordering out, because a lot of people are doing curbside you know, delivery and all that type of stuff, or maybe delivery to your house. Um, hopefully, everybody's doing that, but I guess my concept there is you know, think of others. Maybe you're doing well, and I hope you are, but not everybody else is. So be kind. And Ward, what's your final thought? Well, I like many of us, this change in our world has got me, you know, because it was just go, go, go. Don't think, you know, don't think about why you're doing what you're doing. And now suddenly here we are. Uh, and it's the, the world has kind of stopped and shifted what it thinks, what, how we're thinking, what's important. And I actually kind of think of that. I mean, well, partly I can think of that as a good thing because I'm not one of those folks that's that's bagging groceries in this tough time or anything like that. So we're real, you know, those of us who are listening to this podcast are lucky. And we have a chance to to sit back and reflect. And I'm reading some poetry and novels and things again. So I guess that's uh, that's my, my thought for the day is uh, break out uh, and learn something or... or do something that you wouldn't have done if you were following your daily life, because this is a time to to reflect. Oof, that was too heavy. Sorry, folks. No, I like it, man. I like it. And Chris, what's your final thoughts for our listeners? I'm going to go and I'm going to cheat. I'm going to mirror awards. I, I do think that, you know, we got to find, if we're fortunate enough to kind of sit back and, and look at our daily lives and then reevaluate. I, I do mirror that if we can try to find like some new hobbies or, or something to kind of pour into, uh, if somebody wants to make jackdaniels.com, I encourage it. Stay positive, I guess. Yeah. And my final thought for all you listeners is, uh, on the more on the technical side, I've been playing around with GitHub workflows recently. And one of the things I've really gotten into is I really like the new GitHub CLI and it's called GH. Uh, the GHCLI is in beta, and it's awesome. And I put a couple of links in there to the docs, to the main GitHub page, and also a, an article I wrote upon uh, my blog that basically talks about how you can try the new GHCLI. Uh, what can it do? For example, have you ever been working locally on some code and then you wanted to go create a repository for it? Well, from the command line with GH, you can actually create a repository very easily and push your code up. Uh, have you ever wanted to fork a repo and then clone it locally? You don't have to go to the web page anymore. You can literally use a command with GH to fork a repo, clone it uh, to your organization, and then clone it right down to your machine. So I want all really those cool things, stuff. John. I want all those things. How much is it? You can have them all. For the low price of $10 million to Dan Wallin or okay. zero for everybody else. <laughs> that's, that's Dan Valhalla to you. No, Dan Valhalla. 
<laughs> well, from uh, Ward, Bell, John, Papa, Dan, Von Halle, and uh, Chris, how can I pronounce your name incorrectly? Seviejo. Uh, there we go. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I used to get a from Saving Silverman, Kamnayeha. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, everybody, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you for listening to yet another week of Real Talk JavaScript. We appreciate you listening. You'll hear from us every Tuesday morning. Thanks for listening to Real Talk JavaScript. This show and all of our shows are available at www.realtalkjs.com with links and notes. John and Ward would love to hear what you think, especially about potential guests and topics for future shows. Follow and send them a message on Twitter at RealTalkJS. 